moments, really. Uh, uh, sort of pulling a few threads together from the themes of yesterday and this incredibly rich weekend where God is so evidently at work. I know that you know that, but as an outsider, let me say that. It doesn't really require an enormous gift of discernment and prophetic revelation to know that God is really doing business in this community and family of faith and go with him. For all the fact that life is tough, God is good all the time and he is doing good things. And keep telling your stories. I know it's been said again and again that may be one of the biggest themes perhaps of of the weekend. And under this banner then of a church that cares, a church that's take seriously the commission to, to love and go on loving and go on receiving the love of God and overflowing with that love to others. That is Christian community, the biblical community. And I felt just to, to hold this thing together, two things driving down or going back up the motorway and coming down this morning, two sort of phrases, perhaps uh, if we haven't had enough phrases already, but uh, holy imagination and holy examination. I think God is encouraging you to continue imagining, to continue dreaming, if you like. And I know it's a familiar theme, uh, and it can be abused. Uh, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, any dream will do, says Joseph. Well, no, actually, not every dream will do. Some of our dreams are very worldly and selfish and greedy. Uh, but godly dreams are great things, and God encourages us to dream and to have vision and to join in with vision. And that's about imagining uh, a preferred future. God is already doing great things, but there's always more to come. Why? Because he's a much more God. Again, there's a little phrase you could um, do some Bible study on. Much more. Look at the references to a much more God in the New Testament. They're amazing. He's always a much more God. More might be one of the words that sits over Trinity over these 20 years. Because we've always lent into more. There was a testimony at the nine, nine o'clock gathering earlier today here where a lady was saying, uh, I have the sense that the best, uh, quite an, uh, uh, an older lady, but the best is yet to come. Friends, the best is always yet to come. It really is, whatever age and stage we are. So some more imagining, and we'll come to that in a minute, minute, and some more holy examining, and we'll come to that too. Um, Moody said, I quoted this yesterday, if God is your partner, make your plans big. Friends, you have some big plans here. Collectively, corporately, you're sitting under this vision of living to make a difference. I love that, living, being alive. It's only God who can make us alive, truly alive, as we're meant to be. Why? For a purpose, for a great big purpose of being those agents of change and transformation. And you're sitting under a vision of, of, of doing that and being that, being the people of God in this community uh, in such a way that people are compelled and magnetized because the presence of Jesus is magnetic. It always has been, always will be. And we're to reflect that. And the more that we reflect that, the more that people will be magnetized. And this community will be transformed in the name and by the grace of Jesus through his church. That's his plan. It's amazing. And uh, your building plans, they're a reflection of that. I love it. I absolutely love it. And if you're not already convinced, I urge you to get on board. It's so compelling. Join uh, that fact. People always adopt early or or a little bit later, whether you're an early one or a late one. Get on board with that vision. It's really of God and it's remarkable. And go for it. That's a kind of collective thing. But God is also calling you and urging you, I believe, to dream your dreams and have your ambitions personally too. What's your individual sense of the much more that God has got for you. And I don't say this as if it's all some kind of Christian euphoria. Science just reminded us there's pain in the journey. There's things that happen. There's difficulty. There's hiccups. There's stuff that's hard. Life is tough. But God is good and there's more. What's your more? 
Are you getting a sense of that? I, I, I mentioned some epitaphs yesterday, things that people say by the end of their, their lives or they might want said about them. That's a great way of getting hold of some of that, the bigger picture calling. I came across one more, by the way, last night in my inbox, which I didn't share yesterday. So here, here is the gravestone of Sir John Strange. Here lies an honest lawyer. Now that is strange. <laughs> I think so. I've just lost 5% of the <laughs> assembled gang. But if God is your partner, make your plans big. Why? Because he's a great big God and there are great big needs in our world to be met by that great big God operating through people like you. Why are we not in heaven now? Why has God not called home his people? It's going to be so much better there. No suffering, no tears, no crying, no pain. An end to this brokenness and dysfunction and disfigurement that we're aware of in our world, and we won't have to pray any longer for, for wars and battles and, and, and terror and uh, unemployment and, and the pain and grimness of human life. Why is, that, why, are we not there? why is he not called us home? Why? Because there's work for us to do, friends. There is a mission still to be accomplished, a commission, the great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations and keep going till I come, come again. There's no more great God events to happen. They've all happened. The next God event is the end of time when he comes again in judgment. Until from, from, from Pentecost to then, we're the people of mission. That's what we're about. And in the spirit of the Great, Com- great Commission with the Great Commandment to, be, to, go, to go about it in, uh, with the weapons of love that God has given us. So we need to be church at its best. Church at our best. Another phrase from yesterday. The world at its worst needs the church at its best. And no more beautiful an image, I think, of the church at its best. If you had to pick a bit of scripture, just a few verses to say, give me an image of church at its best. I reckon many of us would pick the passage that's just been read, wouldn't we? That Murray's just read so well. Uh, Acts 2, 42 to 47 where we get this remarkable image of people touched by the grace of God, normal people, they're not superheroes, but going about that business of responding to the grace of God together, this glorious one anotherness that uh, is this word that has also sat with us a little bit. What's that about, church at its best? It's about the quality of relationships. And we have to allow ourselves to explore that and uh, allow God to take us deeper in that authentic relationships. Look at that little passage there. It's all about daring, it being, being secure enough in God to, to open myself up to the other, to go deeper, to, to pay the cost of loving somebody who might be different from me, accepting, welcoming, embracing, sharing, praying, crying, laughing, doing life genuinely together rather than sort of playing at it or going to a level but not beyond. That's part of our much more, friends. You have some great relationships, some great communities, some great groups, some great togetherness, and we've heard testimony of prayer partnerships and people sharing and on and on. And it's a beautiful thing and God commends it and he says much more. Much more for you and then much more for the people who are joining you. Intimacy, accountability. That's all part of this fellowship of believers, this one anotherness. We spoke about everybody being welcome, everybody, not just the ones that we like or who look like us. Nobody's perfect. Praise God, that's, that would be intolerable. Can't join a church like that, you'd spoil it. But we're growing because God's at work in us. We're becoming bit by bit, step by step, more like 
the people that he's made us to be. And in that case, anything is possible. When you've got those conditions and Jesus is at the heart of stuff, anything is possible. All bets are off because he's the God of the impossible, right? Let's hear an amen. Yeah. So some imagining, what's, this, what, what's it going to look like as we, as we dare to dream a little bit more? What will that, how will that work out? And we began to look at some of those things and break them down a bit. And some of those one another's, some of us looked at yesterday, whatever that one another statement from the New Testament you looked at. How, what, what's the, the meat of that? What's the working out of that? We can also assent to the, to, to the, uh, to the truth of it and, and, and sign up to, yeah, that's great. But how does that work? How do I become more hospitable? How do I bear with one another more by the grace of God, forgive one another, serve one another. What does that mean? What's my serving looking like at the moment? How do I go deeper and so on? Not grumbling against one another, confessing your sins to one another. We paused on that one. That speaks of the depth of accountability. I was sharing with, had some lovely conversations. Thank you for your generosity in conversation yesterday. Sharing with somebody who was saying of his prayer triplet, do you know, we have a fantastic time together, but actually the bar is high. Life is short. We can't faff around. We need to hold each other even more to account. Will you ask me for some of the deep stuff that's going on within me? Will you hold me to account for that, for my thought life and my lust life and all of that stuff? So thrilled to see a saint just wanting to, to, to do that confession thing more, that accountability thing more in the security of a, of a, of a trusted prayer partnership, prayer triplet commend that kind of thing to you. That's all part of the more, isn't it? Imagining. How about some more imagining on a bigger scale? Imagining this church community, hundreds of kids coming through your church family and being made uh, more secure in the love of Jesus, foundations for life. Hundreds of teenagers knowing their identity and him, learning to channel all that energy in God-honoring directions. How about a place where older people are gently and wisely showing younger people how to get more rooted in their faith? How about a church where younger people are showing old, those of us who are a bit older how to stay reckless for the kingdom of God? Let's hear an amen to that one. Right. We don't lose the childlikeness, friends, just because we get older. How about a church where we fight for really great marriages, marriage under such pressure, where we fight for great parenting, where we fight for great uh, grandparenting, if you've hit that stage, where masks get get taken off, where because freedom in Christ is not just the name of a brilliant course, which it is, and not just a slogan we find in the Bible, but genuinely we are finding more freedom in Christ, so it can be more ourselves with one another. How about a church where every believer takes responsibility for their own walk with the Lord and they get equipped and, they get, and we know how to nurture our, our, our relationship with Jesus and to help other people to nurture theirs. How about a church where no one is lonely and no one goes hungry? Where everybody gets valued, everybody has a place to belong. A place where when I'm in trouble or I'm in pain, I know the family will rally around. A church where I mess up but I don't get judged for it. Where I dare to share and people get to know the worst about me, but they still keep pointing me to Jesus and help me learn and find more healing and grow more wholeness. What a beautiful testimony we've had of God bringing somebody just to to a bit greater wholeness. What about a church where the call to worship is not just at 9 o'clock or 10.30 or whatever your evening gathering is or your group on a Wednesday, but it starts the moment you wake up, your eyes open in the morning till the moment that they close at night. What about a church where it's not about me and my needs and what I get out of it? 
What about a church where everybody discovers how God has gifted them and then grows in that gifting and is released in those giftings and those passions to play their part? Everybody gets to play. No passengers, only crew round here. What about a church community where we finally get it that my resources are actually his resources and he just lends them to us for a while and says, here, take care of these, use them for my glory. So where if I give my life to Jesus, as many of us will say that we've done, then I'm actually also giving my energy and my time and my gifts and my passion and my house, if I've got one, and my money my bank account because my Christian life is my life. And we can go on imagining, and I urge you to do it because I think God is calling you to all kinds of dreams, both individual and shared. And uh, keep going. That's part of what this is about. In a church that cares and loves one another. And we go, yes, I'm signed up for that. You're not saying anything new, Tim, and I know there's nothing under the, uh, new under the sun, but we need to keep hearing this stuff, right? Uh, and we go, yes, this is compelling. Praise God that I'm here at this time, for such a time as this. And we're right on board, and I'm going to get even more on board. But it's hard. It is hard. There's stuff that comes against that. If only it were that easy, we could design the perfect church on a piece of paper. The perfect life group is really easy if you just draw, it, draw a picture of it on a piece of paper. But then actually people like you and me get in the way. And life happens, and people happens, and things happen. And it's tough. Why is it tough? Because there's battle, and friends, we're in a war zone. We're in a battle zone. We're not on holiday. We, we can't live with a peacetime mentality. We're called to, 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 to be the army of Christ, the soldiers of Christ. Paul reminds us that. And our enemy isn't people. Your enemy isn't your, your non-believing neighbor next door or the atheist who throws rocks at you or, or the teenager who's going to graffiti over the outside wall of your new building when it's built. And they will. Or the government or, 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 or whatever. No, the enemy is that the principalities and powers, the evil forces at work who are out to wreck you. And cut you off at the knees in your relationship with God. If you can do that, it doesn't matter how good your programs or your buildings are, we'll be ineffective. There's a very real battle and we need to wake up to that. Some, some of us need to hear that probably. I do. Opposition comes in all kinds of ways. World, flesh, devil, the world out there, the culture of entitlement and consumerism, that spirit of offense that I spoke about, and on and on. The flesh, that part of us that, frankly, prefers comfort prefers to stay in control, prefers not to step out where it feels a bit risky. And the devil behind all of it, of course, seducing us, lying to us, and so on. By the way, so much spiritual warfare, so much of the opposition is, is in here. It's in the mind, actually. It's what we believe. He's the father of lies. The journey of discipleship is allowing the spirit and truth of God to invade us to the extent that, we're, that the lies and baggage that we come with are, are exposed and dealt with and transformed. Keep going at that. So there's tests. This is a season of GCSEs. Who's got GCSE children or is one or you're a student? Or we've got four, literally four teenagers at the moment. So they're all doing exams. We seem to be a relentless period of exams. Whether it's GCSEs, ASs, A-levels, um, the one at university is doing his exams and on. Examining is a fact of life, and it is, and it's not a bad thing. Tests come, they're good for us, they strengthen us, God allows it as part of life. But some of the tests and some of the uh, things that God is uh, allowing us to suffer, they are, uh, and the, sorry, the opposition and the, and the resistance, the things that come against the growth that we want, they're, they're resistance that we put up. They are walls that we put up that need knocking down. In the earlier service, I had the story of Jericho read out. 
familiar enough story. We don't need to read it again now. You know it. But there's something beautiful in that Old Testament story about these walls around a city. And what, what were they guarding? Answer, some land that God wanted his people to have and to take. They were part of the inheritance. They were part of the much more, if you like. The, some of these things that we're imagining, they're, they're there. And they're for us because God's given them to us. But we're not taking them yet because there's some walls surrounding them. And actually, we put up some of those walls. Uh, we are looking at this a little bit yesterday, weren't we, around our, our hearts. That there are those things that are inhibitors. We've allowed our hearts to grow in that way. And they need breaking down. We need to allow the Spirit of God to search. Psalm 139, search me, O God, and see if there's any offensive way within me. I take that to mean, Lord, show me where I'm messing up. Show Show me where I'm resisting you. Show me where I'm standing in the way of more of you in more of me. And then help me to be transformed. That's your work, Lord. But my part is to say, show me, shine your light. Show me the walls that I might be living with, where I'm resisting you, where I'm resisting. And they may arise from past experiences of pain and so on. It may be about unforgiveness. We haven't got time to explore this now, but I'm urging you to allow the Holy Spirit to shine his light. And I know that he will have been this weekend. And I do think that unforgiveness will be one of those areas. Just that experience of not wanting to trust, finding it hard to relate to somebody else, holding tight to something, an experience of pain or or being let down or being disappointed that causes grudge to arise and we're holding on to that and we need it's hard but we need to begin to allow the Lord into that to uh, to, to help us let go of it walls of of judgmentalism, of criticism, of insecurities of different sort, of feeling stuck of pride, of superiority may I mention one just driving down the, the motorway Uh, This morning, I mentioned it at the earlier gathering. I think it's right to say it again here. Uh, And forgive me if this sounds uh, uh, challenging or direct, um, but I think God needs to allow us to do those things. It's not for condemnation. Please don't hear it like that. But I I think I want to speak to the men especially, and to those of us, and I would include myself, uh, who whose wall is to do with fear, actually. Uh, And we are those who know very well. the fear of wanting to risk something and be all that God has called us to be as Christian men, inspired in the way that he wants to inspire us to live our lives and to, uh, to give and to, uh, to lead and to serve and to break out of our comfort zones. And the fear of failure is enormous for many of us. It's not for nothing that Jesus says, uh, fear not, 365 times. He knows, you know, he knows that we live with fear. But Romans 8, 28, Romans 8, 31 or something, we are more than conquerors through the one who loves us. It's not that fear disappears, but God gives us that God-given ability to be more than conquerors. And men, we need to rise up. We need to be overcomers in the grace and strength of God. We can't summon that up within ourselves, but we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit of God. And where we carry fear of failure, fear that we're not strong enough, it's our biggest fear for most blokes in there, something about I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I can't do it. It really attacks us at that level of uh, achievement and what we feel that we ought to achieve in in life and so on. Fear is attached to that and and the devil uses that to hold us back. Let's not be held back. We're more than overcomers. Yeah, just let the, the Spirit of God take that, if that's you. No more passivity, men. No more passivity.
Let it be so. Maybe your walls are about people pleasing. Just need the approval of, uh, you know, just need the approval of people to make you feel worthwhile, and that leads you to those kind of places which are dodgy ground, and so on and so on. We don't have time. You, you, you get where I'm going with this. So this is about holy imagining. I think we're being invited to that. Some, some much more imagining. Dream godly dreams individually, groups together, and some holy examination. It's okay. Allow him to do that in you as life is tough. And how did Jericho fall? That was just one battle strategy. Of course, there are many, but we love that image, don't we? The circling, the going round and round. This is what they're called to do, going round and round. We're reading a book. We've been loving a a book by an author called Mark Batterson. He talks about uh, being a circle maker and draw the circle. I commend that to you. It's going to be great for our prayer life. We're in a year of prayer, as I said yesterday. And, uh, And people are getting this image of what is this specific thing that God is saying to us for breakthrough or whatever it is or the wall or the area that he wants us to take I'm going to circle that in prayer and I'm going to go on circling it in prayer for as long as it takes until that wall comes tumbling down and, and there's breakthrough and we, we can enter the land the much more, whatever that much more represents that God has called us to such a beautiful thing, very specific by the way somebody said God doesn't answer vague prayers, not sure about the theology of that but I'm pretty sure that God answers specific prayers, especially. Then we can know that they've been answered, by the way. Get a hold of what God is saying specifically. What is your Jericho? What is your Jericho? What, is, what are the walls that need to come tumbling down by your cooperation, your praying, your inviting, your risking that prayer? Shine light on that, Lord Jesus, and then uh, t- the, the wall come tumbling down. Let the Lord continue to speak. I know he's been speaking this weekend, but don't move on too quickly. So may God continue to bless you, all of you, richly as you dream dreams and love one another with the love of Jesus and partner with him in building his glorious kingdom. It's just been a pleasure and a privilege to be here. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Great. That's good. Let's stand, shall we, together?